uh, it is difficult. There is war, but the Lord is at work in midst of this situation. And I see so many Muslims coming to Christ in the most difficult situation. Join us now for this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we'll learn more about a ministry working to make the gospel accessible to Muslims in many countries. We'll talk with Stefano Fier of the ministry known as Call of Hope, based in Germany. Welcome to our program. The simple idea behind this visit is that we want you to meet people from all walks of life who are motivated in what they do by the love of God who has changed them and redeemed them to live for His purposes. So each week you hear a different story as people share how they serve God. Our website has more information. It's firstpersoninterview.com. You can find the schedule of upcoming guests there and browse back through the archive of past interviews. That's firstpersoninterview.com. Well, the gospel ministry Call of Hope was founded in 1904, but it never has been more needed than today, working in many ways to creatively communicate the message of Christ to the world of Islam. Stefano Fear is the president of Call of Hope in the U.S. and the COO of the mission, which is located in Germany. Well, Call of Hope is all about reaching Muslims for Christ. And uh, we do have work in 22 different Muslim countries. Our work is with nationals, means we are not a sending agency. We work with nationals from the country. Most of them uh, are former Muslims, more than 200. And uh, they are doing the work together with us. They are uh, full co-workers of Call of Hope, and we stand behind them in prayer. We help them in every way we can, and they are working out there really on the front lines. These are the people who are really risking their lives to get the word out about what Jesus has done for them. Well, I want to go much deeper on that topic in just a moment, but I also want to hear your own personal story. Now, you are Swiss, and uh, you are the chief operating officer of the Evangelical Carmel Mission located in Germany, which is really, I understand, kind of the parent organization of Call of Hope? This is absolutely true, yes. And Carmel Mission is around since more than 100 years, founded 1904 on Mount Carmel. This is why uh, it's named Carmel Mission. Ah, okay. So how long have you been associated with it, and uh, it, it really provides the impetus for this ministry to the Muslim world? Well, somehow I'm with this mission for whole of my life, because my father was the general director of the mission for 25 years, and I was living in the mission house, and all these missionaries coming in and were always with us on our dining table. But then when uh, he got retired, we got a new general director, and uh, now 15 years ago, he asked me to join full-time. Okay. Well, uh, Germany is not known as a hotbed of evangelical mission activity. Uh, how is it that uh, the uh, Evangelical Carmel Mission is located there? Well, you see, that's historical. And uh, as I said, more than 100 years back, I mean, at that time, of course, uh, it was very strong, I would say, also evangelical country, Germany. And even today, we, we, we really have very faithful Christians. I mean, our, our mission has more than 20,000 what I call faithful prayer partners who stand behind the work, who, who know sometimes all of our 200 co-workers pray every day very, very faithfully. And I think this is 
the, the real importance of, of the ministry, and this is really important to the ministry to have these prayer partners who, who pray for it. So um, it is historically that it's from Germany, but uh, we, we also feel that really German and Swiss people, Swiss Christians, are very much interested to, to let many Muslims uh, see the beauty of the Lord Jesus. That is most encouraging because we don't often get that perspective uh, living in North America. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. Uh, is there a sense in which uh, Europeans are better equipped or better positioned, I might say, to, to reach Muslims than Americans are even? Well, I would not say so. At, at the end, it's about the Lord's calling. Uh, but politically, of course, uh, be, being an American, especially in the Middle East, can be sometimes a little bit difficult, can be sometimes a little bit dangerous. You know, when I'm up there in the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon and I have some American friends with me, I, I, I sometimes feel more tense because, you know, all this kidnapping is going on. Uh, it, it, it can be a little bit more dangerous, but that's the only point which I see. Otherwise, I think it's about the calling of the Lord, that the Lord lies it on our heart uh, to love Muslims, to reach out to Muslims, and then it does not matter if you're German, Swiss, or American, or something else. Tell me about your personal call to this ministry. This is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, how has God prepared you? How has He called you to do this? Well, I would say it was really always on my heart because, as I said, I, I saw these missionaries coming to us. I, I saw what they went through. I, I got into personal relationship with these people, so it was always on my heart. And at some time I understood that the Lord calls me for full-time ministry, and uh, I went and studied uh, theology. But then at that time, um, I was not sure where the Lord will, would really lead me. And, you know, as I told you, my father was the uh, general director of Call of Hope, so somehow, uh, you know, this is nothing you inherit. So uh, I, I never thought that I would actually come back to, to Call of Hope. And I studied theology, and towards the end, my wife and I really prayed, hey, Lord, where do you want me to be? And um, I actually thought of, of, of pastoring a church. And that was the day, I, I remember it was actually Christmas Day. I went uh, back to the village where I was grown up, and uh, the new uh, director of Call of Hope uh, was in the same service. And he talked to me, and he said, hey, did you ever consider... <laughs> Uh, working with Call of Hope and, and helping us here. And I thought in my, inside myself, well, I always considered, but I would never have talked about it. <laughs> and I said, hey, uh, well, let's pray and let's see. And as, as, as this was really the time we prayed and asked the Lord to direct us, and uh, we, we, we felt encouraged that so many people at Call of Hope, the whole board said, hey, hey, come and help us. Then we said, well, this is the Lord now uh, calling us into this. And uh, when I say us, I really talk also about my wife because I feel, you know, maybe we talk about that later. I, I travel quite a bit. I'm, I'm maybe four or five months a year out somewhere. Um, then I really understood that my wife has to see this also as her ministry. Great point, yes. And being at home, looking after the children, um, uh, this is ministry. And uh, so, so I say we do the ministry together, but I'm out there. Yes, that's a wonderful point to make, and I, I appreciate you pointing that out to us. 
Well, what do we need to know about how God is moving among the Muslim peoples of the world? You know, I think when we hear Muslims, we think about what we see in the news, and we think about Nigeria and the Boko Haram, and we think about the Taliban, and we think about ISIS, the uh, Islamic State, and we think about the refugee crisis. What I want to say is if we hear Muslims, we think about negative. And and we, we, we think about, hey, what is going on in this world? And, and many Christians also get uh, somehow concerned and, and maybe even afraid of what is going to come. I usually always want to point out the positive. The positive that the Lord does his work among Muslims. And what I see all over, yes, there are militants. Yes, uh, it is difficult. Yes, there is war. But the Lord is at work in midst of this situation. And I see so many Muslims coming to Christ, hmm. usually in, in the most difficult situations. And, and, and now, you know, when, I, when we speak about the refugee crisis and we talk about Lebanon, um, two million refugees in a country of four million inhabitants, uh, it's hard to explain how, how horrible the situation is. But these people come and, and they are full empty. Of course, they lost everything, but I mean they are also spiritually empty. Mm-hmm. Because they were always told from their people, we kill in the name of Allah. But the problem is, Sunni and Shia both kill in the name of Allah. So they have lost everything, and they come out and they say, okay, we lost everything because they say they do that because it's the will of Allah. And many people begin to ask, hey, is, can this be true, that, that a real God is just asking us to kill ourselves? Hmm. Well, what is going on here? And... and, and I feel you, you talk to these people, and they, they want to listen. They want to hear about the love, because they come out of the hate, and hate is everything what, what, what they know. And, and, and now they hear that Jesus loves the world, that God loves the world, something they have never heard. It truly and, is good news, isn't it? It is. You know, I, I remember one guy uh, whom I know in the Beka Valley in Lebanon, uh, Mohammed, he, he was actually ready to kill Christian. he, Christians. He was a terrorist. He lost everything, came to Lebanon, came to the Christians, to, to our uh, people to fetch food. He didn't want to, but he was desperate. And he came in at the end of a service, and he just heard half a sentence that was, For God so loved the world. Only this few words. Hmm. And this rocked his world. This changed his world. And, and today he's, he's a Christian and is, is, is talking about Jesus to, to his Muslim friends. You know, it, it's really amazing. So I, I would like to see the positive things. I would like to see that God is really at work in the midst of all these difficult things happening. We'll continue this conversation with Stefano Fear of the Ministry Call of Hope coming up on First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to this week's edition of First Person, can I remind you to take a moment and visit the webpage firstpersoninterview.com? Click on the FEBC banner there and you'll hear stories of God at work in the lives of people 
touched by the programs produced by our dedicated staff. We take Christ to the world through radio and new technology. For more, go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. My guest today is Reverend Stefano Fear, who is president of Call of Hope Ministries here in the U.S., chief operating officer of Evangelical Carmel Mission located in Germany near Stuttgart. And uh, we have uh, Reverend Fear on the line with us now during his visit to the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And I sure appreciate this opportunity, uh, Stefano, to get to know you and to get to know the ministry of Call of Hope. Um, when you talk about Muslims converting to Christianity, one thing I think that we don't really understand is the high cost they often pay. Not er- not every Muslim, of course. It varies from country to country, I would imagine. But talk about the cost of, of coming to Christ. You're, you're absolutely right, Wayne. I just remember at the moment uh, a young woman in the Beka Valley. She, she came from Syria, she lost everything. Her husband and herself, they came to our Bible studies, well, because they wanted to fetch food. Her husband did not come again. He was not interested in Jesus. He was against Jesus. But she was set on fire, and she received Christ. And her husband, of course, got to know about it, and he wanted to get her back to Islam. Uh, He was always, for a long period of time, beating her up again and again. And then last uh, year during Ramadan, the fasting months of uh, the Muslims, um, she was not fasting. And he asked her, and he said, hey, why are you not fasting? She said, look, I'm Christian, so I'm not fasting. And, and he got totally mad. He, he took a big stone, smashed it on her head, mm. uh, broke her nose, almost really killed her, um, only because her mother was visiting her at that time. I think she didn't get killed. Mm. And after that happened, she goes to our co-worker, to our pastor there in the Beka Valley in Lebanon, and she tells him about it, and she asks him, Pastor, I want to get baptized. And he looks at her and he says, hey, uh, are you sure? I mean, do, do you know what you are saying? And she looks at him and says, Pastor, I have calculated the cost. What she means is she is aware that if her husband hears about being baptized, he might kill her. She knows it, but she wants to follow Christ and she wants to show it. So she got baptized and uh, she shows her face very openly. When, when I was there in the Bikar lately, she was singing um, alone, very loud, in a meeting of maybe 150 people. As a Muslim convert, singing to Jesus, everybody hears it. She, she risks her life. She also told me that her husband now is going to divorce her, mm. uh, what, what is really difficult in these circumstances. But she wants to follow Jesus, and I have so many examples. You know, I'm, I'm so humbled to talk to these people and to see how much they pay when they become Christians. But they don't think like this. They, they, they don't think they pay for it. They think they receive so much. You know? There is a lady uh, also up there in the Bekaa, Af-Af. She also lost everything. She came to Jesus. She uh, is, is a big missionary. She talks about Jesus everywhere she goes. 
and she was warned from Muslims. And it's now a year back that uh, two men came when she was on the way to the Bible study. They had iron rods with them. They uh, were beating her up like something when she was on the floor. She was stoned from these people. They thought she died. Well, she was unconscious, but she didn't die. She had to be bedridden for seven months. And during that time, she got a lot of visits. And our co-worker told me, hey, I cannot provide her so many New Testaments and so fast as she is giving out. <laughs> Bedridden and gives everybody a New Testament. Now, as she can walk again, she goes to the city of Baalbek, which is in the north of the Beka. It's a terrorist city. It's a Hezbollah city, Shiite, where I could never go to in these days. She goes there twice a month and has a Bible study with five women, five Muslim women, and they sing songs together. She, she took from her songbooks songs about Jesus. They read the Bible every day. And, and she, she told me, she said, look, I lost everything in Syria, but I gained the best thing for my life oh. in Lebanon. And she also went on, and uh, when our pastor once told her, hey, Afaf, I'm so sorry about what, is, uh, what happened in your life and about all this persecution and about all this war and, and that you had to leave Syria, and then she said, hey, stop it, don't say this. If this war would not have happened, I would not have come to Lebanon, and then I would not have had the possibility to hear about Jesus and I would not have gotten the best thing in my life. You know, this is how they see it. What an incredible story. Uh, we have no idea how God is working, and we need to hear these stories to encourage us to be faithful in praying for and in reaching out to uh, to Muslims around the world. Absolutely. Uh, Stefano, um, I'm sure that your work has to, in many places, be done very quietly, under the radar, so to speak. Uh, talk about how you go about uh, reaching uh, those who are in, who are caught up in Islam. You know, it always depends on the country. Uh, you have countries like uh, Pakistan, where it's really difficult, but uh, they have the possibility sometimes to, to, to do that very open. I, I remember when I was a few years back visiting Pakistan the first time, and we were driving through the city, and, and I, I saw actually an advertisement saying, tonight, uh, a, a, a Christian speaker from Germany. And, and I was naive and asked my coworker and said, who, who is going to speak? Do you, you have a German speaker here tonight? <laughs> and he said, yes, of course, you. So, so what? <laughs> and they closed the road and we, we had, I think, 1,500 people coming. You know, wow. it, It's crazy. <laughs> but of course, it was also the first time in my life that I preached and Two people on my left and on my right were standing there with an AK-47 gun. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, what is also crazy. So this is happening. But then sometimes it really also happens that um, uh, most of the times it's just uh, a face-to-face -face ministry. You, you, we, we have uh, very often in many countries we have uh, radio broadcasts. And this is, um, in most cases, the first point where people connect. They hear the radio, they hear about Jesus, they would write to an address somewhere in Europe. We then write to them after some time, we would give this address to a local co-worker on the ground. Uh, they, they would connect with each other. Sometimes they meet for two, three years in a coffee shop 
um, before they uh, are invited to go to their home, and then usually they would be invited to, to come into a house church. Uh, and, and this is how it develops. So I think you understand that I'm not talking about an instant thing. We, mm-hmm. we always in, in the West think, well, you go, you share, somebody becomes Christian, you <laughs> baptize him, and that's it. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of wisdom discernment has to Absolutely, be shown. Absolutely, and it takes years. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good word to us. We hear about unusual circumstances of uh, Muslims turning to Christ. Talk about that. It, it, have you seen that phenomenon? You know, I also hear a lot about it, and I read a lot about it, and I believe that the Lord is sovereign and He can do everything. But I have to be frank, what I see on the ground is that people get the Word of God, that they read the Word of God, that they are touched by the Word of God, and that they want to follow Jesus. I I really have to say that in more than 90% of the cases, it's the Word of God touching life. Hmm. Of course, many people would say, oh, Muslims don't want to read the Bible. Yes, there are many who don't want but I think uh, even in the Bible we see that Paul says, well, many people reject it, but then others really want it, and these are the people who then uh, follow the Lord, and this, this is what I see. I mean, as I said, I'm not saying there is not uh, there are not supernatural ways, and of course I also know people who told me they, they, they dreamed and, and got a vision. This is there, but... In in many, many, many more cases, it's just that somebody very faithfully gave somebody a calendar with a Bible verse or gave him a New Testament, and they were touched by the Word of God. This is what I see all around the world. I know it doesn't uh, sound very (laughs) fancy and whatever, but this is the truth, what I can tell. Well, you're coming through loud and clear. If God chooses to work that way, that's, that's between God and that person. But we have to do our part, don't we? Right, right. Stefano, I'm guessing that 15 or so years ago, when you answered God's call, I'm guessing that there's no regrets in your life. You're absolutely right. This this is so right. This is, I'm I'm so grateful to the Lord that uh, He called me into this ministry. Yes, it's sometimes not easy, and and, uh, hey, it's also true when you, you have a family, you have small kids, and you travel around five, six months a year. Maybe sometimes people think it's fun. Well, it's not. Uh, You leave your family behind. But when you know that you do it for the sake of Christ, then it's something joyful in your heart. We've been learning about the Muslim world and hearing how many are turning to Christ for salvation. Our guest has been Stefano Fear of Call of Hope. For more about this ministry and their mission, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. Today's conversation and many others are all available for streaming online at the same place, firstpersoninterview.com. Plus, they're available through our app for smartphones and tablets. Download it for free from your app store. And for information about upcoming guests and topics, visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. Take a little time, if you would, to visit us and like our Facebook location, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Again, that's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. This program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, which shares our goal of telling the gospel story and proclaiming Christ to listeners everywhere. 
Find out more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.